Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen. All right, uh, Ryan Mitchell is producing the show this week. Um, Paul Perot is taking a much-deserved week of vacation. So good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Now, in in reality, you are a on-air play-by-play. Play, mm-hmm, is that what it's called? Play-by-play? You got it. You know, yep. Yep. In the sports announcing gig. So, what is your favorite sport to announce on air? Like to, you know, to do the play-by-play. Basketball, college basketball, basketball. the speed of it, the energy of it. I just love it. It's great. All right. And so, we're in basketball season now, yes? Correct. Yep, right in the heat of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, are you announcing games? Uh, yes. Uh, there are more tomorrow here on the Northwestern St. Paul campus, University of Northwestern, our parent company, and they are halfway through their conference season. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. Okay, so you follow sports um, more closely than many other people. Um, and so let's just assume that there's somebody listening right now who recognizes that the Super Bowl is coming up in a few weeks, uh, but they are not like really football people. And so they don't really know, but they want to be able to at least talk about what's happening between here and there. So who is still in it in terms of the NFL playoffs? And maybe what is your prediction? Yeah, so the AFC Championship game will be the okay, whoa, first. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A AFC. Let's see. What so, you can't you can't talk. Sorry, you yeah. can't talk in football speak. You have to talk in human speak. Thank you for the reminder. So there are four teams left. They make up the American Football Conference and the National Football Conference. AFC, NFC. There's two teams left on each side, and so there's only two more games to be played before we know what the Super Bowl matchup will be. As you mentioned, in a few weeks. So this coming Sunday, the first game will be the AFC final, which will be the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And then later on Sunday in the NFC final, it will be the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Detroit Lions. And the winners of those two games will meet in Las Vegas on February the 11th for all the marbles. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Baltimore is hosting Kansas City, and then San Francisco is hosting Detroit. Correct. Um, I The only team in all of that I know anything about is Kansas City because I feel like they're <laughs> always in it. Yeah. And and yep. because there's the whole Kelsey-Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, they're, they're, they have quite the sideshow, that's for sure. It's a lot more than just <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also barbecue. Which There's a lot. They yeah. won't be having in Baltimore, but there you go. Nope. Okay. Now I have another, like, it's, this is like a tangent. This is like kind of a sports story, um, but it's also a, a Carmen story and a political story. So I like it. So I'm going to weave some threads together for you here. I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and I played softball, but I played softball in part because I watched Major League Baseball with my dad. And my favorite player, I mean, like, 
far and away, my favorite player was the first baseman for the L.A. Dodgers. And his name is Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey is back in the news. Now, he has to be old by now. He has to be in his mid-70s because I'm in my mid-50s. And so if I was watching baseball when I was a kid and he was playing, I mean, you know, do the math. So Steve Garvey's back in the news because he's actually running for um, the Senate seat that was vacated when Dianne Feinstein passed away. Um, And so the next term which, you know, in all likelihood, one of the Democrats is going to get elected for the seat. Steve Garvey's running as a Republican, and there aren't enough Republicans registered in California to ever elect a person. But anyway, um, Steve Garvey is running for the U.S. or no, yes, for the U.S. Senate from California. So anyway, there's a baseball storyline that intersects with my story and what's happening in the world. So there you go. I like it. It's fun when that happens. I don't expect you to know anything about Steve Garvey because um, he hasn't played baseball in your <laughs> lifetime. I just read up on him a little bit. I mean, I know some guys from that generation, but not not as many. Deeply complicated personal story. And so I'm sure that some of that will come out. So I guess I just lifted up today as a, like, who inspired you when you were a kid? If you're listening right now and there is somebody who inspired you as a kid, either for what became your vocation or maybe your avocation. For me, I mean, Steve Garvey was a great inspiration um, as a kid playing softball. So maybe you have somebody who inspired you along the way. And then maybe turn the table on that. Um, To whom are you an inspiration today? Who sees the light of your life shining um, in in your vocation um, and says, hey, that person, um, that person is is doing it in the way I would like to do it. Um, who is following your pattern of life? Who are you attracting to the faith? You and I are meant to represent Christ in the world that he so loves. So how are you presenting Christ today that others would take note of, that they would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven? Um, thank you, Ryan, for um, serving as the producer of the show this week and for jumping on um, now. I appreciate it. Happy to. Here anytime. All right. Next up, Mike Minter is going to join us. He is, um, well, he was the founding pastor of the Reston Bible Church in uh, Dulles, Virginia. He served there for 45 years, and then he retired. But you know, like everybody, um, retirement is hard. It's a massive transition. What do you do as a retired pastor? What does that even mean? Is there retirement for pastors in the Bible? He has written a book about it, and he is also now serving um, as a um, as a teaching pastor part time at the Rolling Hills Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee. So he is still serving God and the church, um, but he really wants to talk right now to those of you nearing retirement or maybe in retirement. And if you have a pastor who should be retired, <clears throat> this is a book you're going to want to get. Dear retired pastor, off with the slippers, on with the boots. That's up next here on Mornings with Carbon. Mike Minter's joining us now. He is currently serving as a part-time teaching pastor at the Rolling Hills Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee, but he was the founding pastor of the Reston Bible Church in Dallas, Virginia, pastored there for 45 years. Um, he's joining us today with his new book, Dear Retired Pastor, Off with the Slippers, On with the Boots. Mike, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have a lot of listeners across the um, the upper Midwest portion of the United States, and a lot of them don't have snow. Um, but you had snow in Franklin, Tennessee. How, uh, what was that like? Well, uh, I've lived in Virginia for many, many years. So we get a lot more snow up there than we get down here. We had about six inches, so it's very thrilling. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's totally thrilling. I know. It's so fun. Okay, um, so the... Uh, Maybe the motivation behind um, writing this particular book, I, you're talking to a a pretty narrow audience. I mean, if we're only going to talk to retired pastors, then we're talking to a pretty narrow audience. But I feel like the book is helpful for those of us who are members of congregations, um, who have pastors, maybe for those of us who are friends of retired pastors who you know, are playing golf a lot and not being very fulfilled in all of that. Like, talk talk with us about why you wrote this book and who it's for. Well, two things. Uh, The book that I wrote came out about a year ago. It's called Stay the Course. This was an article, kick off the slippers and put on the boots. It showed up on the Gospel Coalition. Either way, the point is this, that if you've been in anything for any length of time, particularly, and I've been pastoring for now 50 years, and I think I have some things to say to the next generation of pastors that are coming up. So for me to sit back and take what I've learned through the years, whatever wisdom I've gotten and knowledge of just life itself, why would I want to spend all my time playing golf? Nothing wrong with playing golf. I like to play golf, but I I can't be out there every day and counting seashells on the beach when I've got some things I can pass on. And I think every single pastor that retires needs to find a, a niche in his church or his community where he is serving in some capacity, whether it be teaching or setting up tables someplace, but there needs to be a kingdom advancement of those of us that have retired. I apologize that I misspoke. Maybe this is a forthcoming book and we just don't know it yet. Could be. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Um, Retirement um, provides some gifts. One of the things that you talk about is retirement giving the gift of time. Um, When you, when you retired, I mean, 45 years um, pastoring one congregation, building it up from, you know, from the ground. Um, My guess is that you needed some rest. And so there is rest and renewal that is necessary. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the gift of time that comes with retirement? Sure, sure. Obviously, I'm not going to be as plugged in. I'm getting ready to leave the Amazon uh, uh, Saturday where I train jungle pastors. I've been doing that for about 16 or 17 years. I go down there every, every year. And so that's one of my outreaches. But I think the issue of time, if you put in a lot of time, you do need a break. You need, you need to take a couple of months off, recharge, but you don't need to take the rest of your life off. And so time is a, is a gift from God. And as long as we have time, we're supposed to redeem the time, as the scriptures say, because the days are evil. And so I think it's important to take a good, hard look, an inventory, so to speak, of your life and admit the fact I need a break. I need some time off. I actually left Northern Virginia and moved to Tennessee so I could give my successor space where they wouldn't be comparing mm-hmm. me with him and that sort of thing. So that's one of the reasons we moved down here. And right away, I was called by Jeff Simmons, the pastor at Rolling Hills. He and I are good friends. And he said, we'd like you on staff. I said, oh, I've had, I've had 47 years of staff and I loved it, but that's, that's okay. And I say, can you give us just 15 hours a week? I said, okay. And, and I go into the office probably three or four times a week. I help train younger pastors. 
I, I have a, a large Sunday school class of people that are 55 and over. I've got about 80 people in there. And then I do some preaching from time to time from the pulpit or some of the other campuses. So I just want to, I, I don't want to waste my time. Time is valuable. Well, and it's the one resource we're not getting any more of. Um, and so no. I appreciate that you're not wasting it, um, that you and Kay are both engaged in ministry um, during retirement uh, in in ways that are related to your kids and your grandkids and certainly the family of faith that we call the church. Um, yes. Talk about this uh, this observation that retirement is a blessing, not a limitation. Yes, it is a blessing because God knows that our, our minds, our brains, our faculties begin to fade. You know, the outward man is perishing while the inward man is being renewed day by day. As I often tell people, the problem is my outward man is perishing faster than my inward man is being renewed. But I, I do think that um, that you you do need, you as you said, you only have so much time in life and you do need to pace yourself. You can't keep going at the same pace you were. And the beauty of my particular position at Rolling Hills is I don't have to go to any meetings. I don't have to worry about social distancing or COVID or I don't go to any of those meetings. The only meeting I go to is the communicators meeting where we have five campuses. So afterwards we review how things went the previous day because we meet on Mondays. And I just want to be a voice in that room, uh, particularly when we're talking about uh, upcoming messages. And I'll throw in some portions of scripture or things that I've learned or illustrations. So I always want to be passing on something and yet not not overdoing it. I have to pace myself because I know I'm almost 80, so I can only go so long here. But I'm, I'm, I feel good, so I, I want to keep using that time wisely. Um, I want to give you an opportunity here in just a moment to talk about, you know, why you go to the Amazon and what you're doing down there with, um, with JMI, Justice and Mercy International. But we got to take um, a very, very brief break. So let's um, continue our conversation with Mike Mentor in just a moment. Um, he is technically retired. You heard him just um, share that he's almost 80, but he is actively engaged in ministry, um, discipling others, um, lifting up and training and standing alongside younger pastors, um, not only in his congregation, but elsewhere, preaching from time to time, teaching a weekly Sunday school class, um, loving his wife, his kids and his grandkids. What does retirement look like for you? Um, what would it look like for you to be re-energized at this stage of life? Yeah, the pace might be different, but God still very much wants to use you. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Jesus loves the little children. You guys know that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are little children in the world who need Jesus. They also need things like basic food and medical care. Jesus tells us that what we do for the least of these, the little ones, we do for him. So this is your time to become the champion of one child, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope, and you work together with people who are on the ground to change the families, the communities, the future. You might not feel like you could change the world, but you can for one child. Meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com.
Mike Minter is uh, technically a retired pastor, but um, God has repurposed him at this age and stage of life. He is seeking to serve at the pace of grace, which is a different pace than, um, you know, you're required to operate at when you are the pastor of a flourishing large congregation like he founded and then served in Virginia. Um, Mike, I'd love for you maybe to talk about how how your perspective on equipping the saints for the work of ministry, which is, you know, really the primary role and responsibility of the pastor, um, this decision-making, what kinds of programs are we going to put in place? We got to raise a budget to do this. We, you know, we want to send out people, like all of that to a person who gets to be an equipped saint sent out to do. Like there, it seems like the, one of the huge transitions that you have made and successfully made that is hard for people is moving from that role where you are the overseer to a go, you know, a go and do kind of mobilized Christian. Well, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very different role because I, I was in charge of a lot of things, you know, weekly sermons and so on. But right now I feel like I'm in the equipping stage, which is what a pastor is supposed to always be doing. But because I have this, this Sunday school class of people 55 and older, and last week in the midst of four degree weather, I <laughs> sent out an email and I said, I want all of you there. You're tough. <laughs> but I said, take care of yourselves. Be safe. And we had four empty seats. We had 76 mm. people there. But every week I tell these people, you are engaged in ministry until you can't breathe anymore. And they are. I think almost all 80 of them are serving in some capacity at the church. And they have wisdom and they've got skill sets and they know certain things and they're really plugged in. So just the fact that I can help energize these people and be energized by these people, Iron Sharpening Iron has been an incredible blessing in these latter years of my life. But I'm no longer in charge of the whole show, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. That gives me a lot of lot of freedom. Mike, that's so um, inspiring and encouraging. Uh, I know there are a lot of people listening right now who feel like, well, I'm sort of past, I'm past the point where, where the church thinks I'm necessary um, or useful. And maybe share with us a little bit of what you share with your Sunday school class in terms of encouraging people to see themselves as, you know, as, as people through whom God wants to be reaching the world for Jesus and serving the least and the lost and representing him and training up a next generation of disciples on and on and on. Maybe give us a little Sunday school lesson to inspire us today, no matter our age and stage of life. Sure. We always have to keep in mind we're channels of grace. God is the ultimate source of grace, but he channels that grace through us. And grace, according to the Apostle Paul, is the power to live the Christian life. And so no matter how old you are, if you can, if you can, uh, I used to have a Bible uh, teacher at, at Bible college that said, if you can move your little pinky, you can still serve. And we have people that can probably do just about that, but they are serving. And they're door greeters. They work in the parking lot. They serve in Sunday school. They serve as, as greeters going into the sanctuary. They pass out bulletins. Uh, they work in a place called GraceWorks uh, during the week. They're, they're involved, and, and they like being involved because they know that whatever little gift or talent is still left in them, 
needs to be used to the glory of God all the way through to your last breath. That's what I tell them. Again, we're talking with Mike Minter. Uh, he currently serves um, part-time as a pastor in Tennessee, but served the majority of his career um, as the founding pastor of the Reston Bible Church in Dulles, Virginia. His latest book, Stay the Course, A Pastor's Guide to Navigating the Restless Waters of Ministry, um, I want to reach back uh, ever so briefly here and touch on the book that you wrote, I mean, a fairly long time ago now, um, which is related to a Western Jesus, a wayward Americanization of Christ and the church. I feel like the content and subject matter of that book um, is so timely today. Can you can you just brief us in on that so folks can know it's out there? Sure. I, I think one of the reasons I, I wrote that is because I've traveled a lot, done a lot of mission work um, and getting ready to head to Brazil this week. But I, I wrote it because I, every time I would come back, I would realize we are seeing the Christian life with blinders on. We have American uh, evangelical, uh, nice houses, comfort. And, and when you travel a lot, you begin to realize not all the world sees things the same way you do. And so even the presentation of the gospel, it has to be made clear. It has to be the, 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 the same gospel. But, you, but you, when you're entering into different contexts, you really have to get a sense as to how people see things, understand things, because we have a Western way of looking at things. And we've got to take those blinders off and see how Christ saw things, how the early church saw things, how, how uh, people living in the Middle East see things very differently than we do. So that was pretty much my mindset behind writing that. Yeah, so helpful, so helpful. Hey, we want to um we want to pray for you before you head to um to Brazil to serve pastors um in the Amazon. How how could we pray for you? How could we best pray for pray for you? Well, we always pray for safety. Uh there's a lot of cra- crazy things down there. <laughs> and uh, we are in the jungle. Um and pray for the safety of the people traveling. We've got about 160 pastors coming, most of them on canoes. One of them one time told me he traveled 12 days to get to the conference. And then it's about 15 days going back because you're going against the current. So these are dedicated people, really dedicated people. And here in America, it starts to rain. We'll we'll stay home and watch it on TV. They're willing to travel 12 days to get to a conference. So it's challenging. But I think safety is the key thing, not just mine, but for all those that are coming. So we'd really appreciate those prayers. Let's do that. Um, Father, thank you for Mike. Um, thank you for your son, our brother, your servant, our fellow ambassador, agent of grace, conduit um, of your good works. Thank you for all the ways in which you have um, blessed him and blessed others through him. Thank you for um, the gift of ministry. Thank you for his life of ministry with Kay. We ask, Father, your blessing upon him as um, as he leaves uh, many of the comforts of the U.S. to go and visit with um, fellow citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but in a different kingdom of this world. And so as he travels from the U.S. to Brazil and then makes his way um, in the Amazon to a place where 160 pastors are going to convene, Father, um, many of those people are already in those canoes, headed um, for days 
to a place that it will only take Mike hours to arrive at. And so, Father, bless him physically, emotionally, spiritually. Guard his heart and mind. Guard his fellow travelers. We call for a spiritual hedge of protection around each one of these precious brothers and sisters as they travel. Father God, um, don't just preserve their lives. Grant them the grace of your blessing, of currents that flow in the right direction, even if um, those seem contrary <laughs> to the natural order of things. You, you, you know, Father, you know what they need right now. You know um, what they're leaving behind. You know how to tend to each and every concern. And so, Father, we don't pretend to know all of that. But we know you, and you are good. And so pour forth your grace in all sufficient measure upon these, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and upon this conference, and upon Mike and his part in it. Thank you for the fellowship that we enjoy in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carmen. Absolutely. Mike, what a blessing. Uh, Blessings upon you. Um, Maybe after the fact, you can come back and tell us how it went. I'd love to. We love, love stories it. of what's what God's doing in the lives of people around the world. So I feel like you're going to come home with some stories. We will. <laughs> Every time I, I go, I get plenty of stories. I love it. That's Mike Mentor, um, and he is the author of a number of books. Um, I, I want to commend to you A Western Jesus, a way, uh, a, The Wayward Americanization of Christ in the Church. It is, um, it is a helpful look in the mirror. Um, and so if you've been wondering, like, why why is there criticism out there of the Western church? This is actually going to have you or offer you a healthy mirror to hold up to yourself, maybe the congregation that you're a part of, the way you have been taught to present Jesus, um, and help you see that other people, other Christians don't actually see things through the same lens that we do as American Christians. So I want to lift that one up to you as well. If you're a pastor, stay the course, a pastor's guide to navigating the restless waters of ministry. And if you're a Christian of any age or stage, Mike's message to you, we still got work to do. So let's get with it. Um, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. And next up, we're going to talk with a guy who has spent his career in the C-suite. Um, and he's going to join us. Barry Rowan is his name. He has um, lived life and seen life from the perspective of what I'll call a human doing. He is quite a human doer, by the way. Um, he has uh, served as the CEO of a number of very massive companies. One of the businesses that he did a turnaround for sold for $10 billion. So he's no slouch, right? Um, but he is a person who recognizes that you're a human being living a purposeful life. That's designed to bring meaning to your work, not the other way around. We don't derive meaning from our work. We bring meaning to our work because we are Christians. And so that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Barry Rowan is joining us now. Um, Depending on your experience across the world of business, this is probably a name that you either are very familiar with or you've never heard it at all. So um, Barry serves on advisory boards for his alma mater, the Harvard Business School, among a range of other ways that he gives back. He spent his career in 
C-suite roles, where he was instrumental in building and transforming a number of businesses, primarily in the tech and communication sectors. One of those businesses sold for $10 billion. So as I said before, he's no slouch. He's got a lot of leadership experience. It it spans private and public companies. Um, He's joining us today with a... um, with a gift. I'm going to describe it as a gift. This is a book, but this is a book that's designed not to be read, but experienced. It's called The Spiritual Art of Business, Connecting the Daily with the Divine. Uh, He also joins us today, I think significantly, as the husband of Linda, a dad and a grandpa. Um, Barry, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much, Carmen. It's great to be with you. You know, we could talk about any of those uh, any of those realities. Um, we could probably spend our entire time together talking about Linda and how she would um, describe the person you were um, before um, before the experience that you had, which you describe in the preface preface just shy of your 29th birthday. Like it might be interesting um, to have that conversation. What would Linda say about Barry before his mountaintop experience and Barry after? Well, everybody loves Linda. It's a little bit like everybody loves Raymond. So uh, you would get a, have a great conversation with Linda, to be sure. Uh, you know, I think there were certainly some things about me before that experience that endured through the experience. So I think, you know, we uh, fell deeply in love with each other. Um, we've now been married 42 years. And as you mentioned, have grandkids. So I think she would say what I was like before the experience was I was very committed. I was somebody who wanted to live a life of of truth and wholeness and vibrancy. Uh, but I think she would also say there were some things that changed. Uh, I had a deep, deep wrestling with a purpose in life. And in retrospect, I had this juxtaposition of two personas that were living within me that had a difficulty coexisting. On the one hand, I had this deep longing for God, and yet I had this steely, strong will and drive for achievement. And I think what she'd say is after that experience, and not just that experience on the mountaintop, but the next eight years of writing 350 pages to myself, mostly in the middle of the night, to try to understand uh, purpose in life and meaning in work, she'd say, I came into a place of deep peace and connectedness between what I'm doing in this moment and purpose in life, and that uh, it was probably easier to live with afterwards. In fact, I realized that I one of the mistakes I made is I... I bought two tickets to the roller coaster instead of one. I brought her along with me probably more than I should have. But in the end, uh, we, I think, came into a much deeper place and a better place and a life of vibrancy. Writing a journal, keeping a journal is actually a spiritual practice that um, you now have just given us a bit of a window into, but you really encourage people to um, to embrace well, what does that mean? How do you, like, what is a spiritual journal for you? Um, how does a person listen to God and then write down their sense of what they hear? Yeah, journaling is an extension of my prayer time. So I try to pray every day for, I mean, when I was working full-time, an hour a day, I would carve out to do that. And at the end of that prayer, which usually started with uh, scripture and immersion, as I call it, I would immerse myself in three things, immerse myself in scripture, listen to scripture, immerse myself in God, most importantly, and immerse myself in my circumstances and let God speak to me about the work that he wanted to do in my soul uh, through the circumstances. And, you know, as they say, it doesn't matter how much we go through the Bible, what matters is how much of the Bible goes through us. And as we spend more time with that, I would find that the Bible was coming alive in me. And so uh, at the end of the prayer time, I 
most often will write in a journal. And it's a form of spiritual clarification and consolidation. Uh, the act of writing for me kind of pulls God from the universe into me, into my hand, into the pen, and onto the paper. And I, I don't often know exactly what I'm going to write until it's written. And then it serves as a chance to go back and reflect and learn and see the footprints of God in my soul as he literally rewrites the software of our souls. So uh, I have now written over 10,000 pages in my journal and probably spent about that many hours sitting with Jesus. And so it's it's just a, a really helpful time in the moment and a, and a chance to go back and see his work in our lives that uh, makes him come more alive to me. Now that you have a sense of um, Barry Rowan's heart and his spiritual practices, he and I are going to talk about the spiritual art of business, connecting the daily with the divine. It is a book, Barry, but you also describe it as a book that's designed to be experienced. What, what does that mean? Yeah, I actually don't think of it so much as a book, Carmen. I think of it as an invitation into a conversation with God. Uh, the way the book is laid out is it's 40 days of guided meditations. Each one starts with a scripture and then a kind of a key takeaway and then stories out of my own experience, uh, usually my foibles. And then most importantly, each little uh, chapter ends with some reflection questions. And the, the questions are designed to draw people into a conversation with God. And my hope and my prayer literally is that as people engage in this experience with God, that they would develop a life-giving perspective of their work as seen through his eyes, uh, that it would animate their work and bring it to life in ways that is beneficial to them and is beneficial to the world. There's a lot of people who um, maybe have worked their way through sometime in the last several decades um, experiencing God, and that is an effort to open our hearts and minds and and lives to the fact that God is at work and then be invited into the work that we see God doing. I feel like your, um, and I'm going to call it a book because, you know, <clears throat> it's printed as such, but The Spiritual Art of Business, um, this is a a step further vocationally in that same conversation. I really appreciate that you, I mean, you acknowledge, um, I like this question, like we live, or this statement, we do live in fear of living a meaningless life. Um, we pour ourselves into labor, into work, and we wonder, we do sometimes wonder, like, does this matter? Like, not does this just, you know, like matter because it helps me put food on the table for my family, but does this matter? Like, is this work that's glorifying God and edifying people? Um, this question, is there any greater joy than being used by the creator of the universe as an instrument of his will? Barry, that's a completely different perspective on work than most people have. Most people do not see what they are doing every day, day in and day out, week in and week out, as a place and a space that God cares about, where God is working, and where God is working through them. Well, thank you, Carmen. Uh, I think there is certainly a lot of truth in what you're saying. And and for me, it was a, a very long struggle, 17 years in retrospect, from the time I was in college to try to figure out what major to choose in to choose to my late 30s before these kind of things came together. And <clears throat> I guess I'm sort of wired as a mystic. And what that means to me is two things. One is um, 
Uh, it's somebody who wants to experience God, not just talk about God. And secondly, Amen. is the end state of the journey is union with God, where there is just one will, and mm. we become instruments of that will. I just had so many things wrong for so long that God had to take me through what I would describe as a succession of paradigm shifts. I had about two dozen things, fundamental things really wrong. I'll give you a couple of examples, as you know, from reading the book. One is I was looking at life from the outside in instead of the inside out. I thought if I just get the right job, somehow I'll be filled up. And the deeper truth comes out of Colossians, you know, the mystery that's been hidden throughout the ages, which is that Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so as we think about our lives that way from the inside out, everything is an expression of Christ in us. So whether it's, and we, I live not life now from the inside out. In fact, draw my life in concentric circles with Jesus at the middle and goes from self to family to society. And I plan my um my work that way. I organize my files on my computer that way. And I try to live my life that way. And it's a, it's a very different way of living because now uh, loving my wife, Linda of 42 years, loving our two sons, Mark and David, or our grandkids or serving God in the world are all expressions of Christ in us. And as John the Baptist said, you know, uh, he becomes less and Jesus becomes more. So as we become less and he literally fills us with himself it is that Christ in us uh, over time, uh, more and more, it's less of us who live and him living in us that is going out into the world. And so there's this, this beautiful kind of inside out flow as the spirit of the living God comes into us, flows into everything we do. And with some hope and a lot of prayer, uh, other people will see a different being because God literally wants to transform the substance of our souls. He wants to transform what we are made of. He wants to transform us from selfishness to selflessness. And the way that translate in, translates into business is that I really came to see the fundamental purpose of business is to serve uh, by, by creating uh by responsible value creation, by creating an environment for employees that enables us all to grow into the full expression of ourselves, of serving customers, because when we're serving customers, we're serving God and being a good corporate citizen. And as that perspective deepened in me, I realized that uh, back to living life from the inside out, we don't derive meaning from our work. We bring meaning to our work and that it's God's perspective of the work that brings the ultimate meaning to it that also makes us come alive as we are instruments of the living God. We're talking with Barry Rowan, uh, his book, The Spiritual Art of Business, Connecting the Daily with the Divine. One thing that Barry offers us is this spiritual art of business cycle, surrender, transformation, new creation into the world. And when we go to work, when we do our work um, we don't leave this cycle behind. Um, we're going to talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. I got some good news for you today. Jesus Christ is the good gift of God to each and every person. We heard the proclamation of Christmas that there's this good news of great joy for all people. Well, guess what? That means you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gift of God given at Christmas. And maybe you're saying, I don't feel so good. I haven't really received this sense of good news. Well, we would invite you to wake up to the goodness of God with 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. It's Susie Larson's brand new book. Our friends over at W Publishing gave us 100 copies for Christmas to give away to you. So we'd invite you to enter to win yours now at MyFaithRadio.com. 
Com. Wake up to the goodness of God, 40 days toward healing and wholeness, because Jesus really is the good news and the great joy for all people. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Is there any greater joy in your life than being used by the creator of the universe as an instrument of his will? I just want you to sit with that question for just a moment. When you think of um, joy, when you think about the way God is operating in and through you, when you think about the grace that God is seeking to channel through you into the world that he so loves, is there any greater joy? And if so, if you have other answers to the question um, about what really is your greatest joy, um, then I'm going to invite you into this cycle, this spiritual art of business cycle, because first we have to surrender it all. We're talking with Barry Rowan today. The Spiritual Art of Business is the book, Connecting the Daily with the Divine. Um, Barry, talk with us about this cycle, and and maybe let's dwell for a moment on the reality of the need for surrender, because I feel like for a lot of folks, um, this is, it's not just the starting point, it's the hardest part. Yes, it really is, Carmen. It certainly was the hardest part for me, especially somebody who had this steely, strong will, Um uh, but I do think surrender, paradoxically, is the gateway to freedom in the spiritual life. And, uh, you know, they we don't talk as a society about surrender. In fact, when I was at Harvard Business School, there was a there was a class called control, literally, but I can tell you there was not a class called surrender. And uh, so it's very countercultural. It's very antithetical to what the world often believes. But the reason it's so important is it gives God permission to do his work in us. We worship this gracious God who will never impose himself on us. And for me, uh, as I was in my late 20s, as you know, and came to this crisis of meaning and work, I uh, didn't even know if God was part of the question, let alone part of the answer. So I I quit going to church I, because I thought it was hypocritical to worship a God I no longer knew existed. And then, as the lawyers would say, based on the preponderance of the evidence, I felt like it's more likely than not that God exists. But then it was the question of Jesus. What are you going to do about Jesus? And and if he is who he says he is, then we have to take him at his word. And the words of his that just penetrated me were, any of you who does not give up everything he has can't be my disciple. And and that word everything just I, really means everything. And so for me, it was on a run around the lake by our house. And I basically said, I give up and came kicking and screaming into the kingdom of heaven. and and But it's not a one-and-done thing. Uh, it's we give ourselves uh, to Jesus, and then the question deepens over time is, what's the next part of everything? Have I, have I given you my career? Have I given you my family? Have I given you all of our, our, our wealth, our possessions? Have I given you my time? Uh, for me, a later... Surrender, for example, was I was I willing to give up any claim on my own future? Was I li- willing to live fully in the present moment and let God unfold the pattern of my life as as He sees fit? And uh, so there are these deeper levels of surrender that happen over time. It's uh, I love the the cycle of Isaiah. You know, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth, um, it causes the earth to bud, bud and to flourish. The same is true of us. And so there's this recurrent. There's this meta cycle that starts with surrender, but there's also this micro cycle that occurs really in the daily life. So surrender wow. for me is absolutely the starting point. Yeah, one of the things we talk about um, frequently is. You know, just my my need to moment by moment 
um, yield to the present power of the Holy Spirit, who is desiring right now to bring me um, by one degree of glory into greater conformity with who Christ is. But I got to agree to that. Um, this surrender business is, yes, a once for all and then a moment by moment. Uh, and so I really resonated with that. I like this language of metacycle and microcycle. That's really helpful as well. Um, you are um, not just experiencing all of this yourself or offering it to us um, in this experiential book, uh, this 40 days or 40 chapters. I think it's going to take a lot of people more than 40 days, but there you go. Um, you're investing in the next generation of leaders. You are serving um, in in all kinds of ways, not just here in the United States through organizations, but around the world. Um, talk a little bit with us beyond sort of the business of business, um, what what the work that God is calling us to do might look like and might include beyond, you know, the the 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 hour week that we might be putting in for our quote unquote work. I think God calls us into this wholeness of life. And as we surrender ourselves to him and as he comes alive in us uh, we begin to care about the world in the same th- in the same ways that god cares about the world and so out of our own lives i've always lived the kind of portfolio life i've had a demanding career you know turning around the eight businesses or or building hyper growth businesses as you talked about the outset of our conversation carmen uh, but for me it's been and for my wife uh it's been something that we have done together so now the way we describe our call now having a uh, finished 40-year corporate career, it's to um, to invest in the family, the poor, <clears throat> and Christ-following leaders who are called to live fully for God in the world through multiple lines of service. So it's serving on boards, it's a walking with the poor. So we have done a lot internationally. Um, we've made 22 trips to Central America. And importantly, we've done that with our family. So when our kids were in high school and college, we decided to walk more intentionally with the poor as a family and started doing that, took our first trip to to Guatemala and Honduras with our older son. And it really has changed the trajectory of our family's life. And and so it includes boards and walking with the poor, as well as writing, speaking, teaching, and what I call holistic accompaniment, coming alongside people in holistic ways. So for example, we took six trips with Harvard graduate students to visit our work in Central America, because mm. we we knew that um, they wouldn't be doing this for the primary focus of their lives. But as Peter said to Paul, we hope that the same would be said to them, which is just remember the poor, so that as you go through your lives, remember the poor and let the Jesus in us love the least of these in us and the least of these in the world. And it's, uh, it's just been a, a beautiful and life-giving experience to enter into those relationships with people who, by the world standards, are very different socioeconomically, geographically, but we begin to see that we are uh, all in the shared fabric of this creation of God and the the friendships that develop out of that in very cross-cultural, cross-economic ways are uh, really life-giving. And it, it just causes you to say, you know, who has more to learn as who, and who has more to give, right? When you, you mm-hmm. see the the people in those kinds of circumstances who has a, who have a faith that uh, goes beyond our own and who prioritize family in ways that we may not in our culture. Uh, it's just a very eye-opening experience. And like I said, it changed the trajectory of our kids' lives and our family's life as we've done this together. 
I resonate with um, with just just everything that you have said. So thank you, um, thank you so very much for those of you uh, asking. Uh, questions on the text line. We, we're out of time today with Barry Rowan, but maybe we can find a time for him to come back and talk with us again. I can answer the one question that was raised, like, you know, trips aren't just trips. What's the uh, what's the point and what's the outcome? Um, the point is breaking the generational poverty cycle through sustainable programs. Um, and Barry works with the World Vision and, uh, and other organizations like that um, in, in places that are really hard and where life for people is not as um, is not as life giving as it is here in the United States of America. So this is about perspective. It's about a global perspective. Um, it's also about a uh, eternal perspective on the things of this world. Um, so, Barry, thank you so very much for inviting us into the spiritual art of business. Uh, if you want direct contact info for Barry and the book, you know how to get it. Just text me, 877-933-2484. Let me conclude today with this. How does God want to repurpose your life? Where is God working? And how can you go and work with him in that work today? Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.